Good evening, everybody, and welcome to our weekly edition of the Sport in Limerick Soccer Podcast, joined again by Noel and Jason O'Connor. Uh, Jason, just to start with yourself, obviously, uh, a really a really quick recap, I suppose, on, on last week and, and the positivity uh, of the Munster Derby victory over Cork City. Uh, it was a, a superb win, uh, Jason. There's no other way to describe it, I suppose. Yeah, one to be remembered, Adrian, isn't it? You know, we all look forward to the Munster Derbies and and especially when they're at home. I know, look, we didn't have the option to be there in person watching it. We watched it on the stream, but they're always fantastic occasions and, and especially when when Treaty turned over Cork and, and good value for the Adrian, they really were. No one can have any complaints, I think, from the Cork end. Um, Treaty had a, a very good game plan, executed it to perfection and made Cork look very ordinary, in my opinion. Yeah, I certainly think that was the case. And uh, Noel scored, Treaty scored two goals from set pieces. Obviously, you had uh, corner delivery from Ludden in one sense, and then you had the Obviously, the Mark Ludden throwing for the, the, the second goal as well. Uh, thank God for set pieces, but we did mention it at the start of the season how important set pieces are at any level of football. And we certainly uh, got a good value for both goals in, in set piece area. Yeah, and Mark Ludden again showing, you know, what a massive sign and what a great value he is to the team. Um, I mean, it was a gorgeous delivery, you know, an overhead ball to the back post, a brilliant header back by, by Clyde. You know, you always say to the guy, you know, just put it back where it came from and you just put it back there, could have scored himself if it hit the post. And in fairness, you know, Anto O'Donnell has shown that alertness, you know, you stay alive in the box for, the, you know, for those few seconds while the ball is in there. It could be second or third phase. You know, you can say it all you like to players, but they either have that or they haven't. And he pounced it really, really well. Yeah, certainly. And uh, it was a great occasion for Matt Keane and, and Kerry as well, uh, Jason, to, to get the winner as well, because he deserved it with the hard work he's put in. That's kind of maybe slightly gone under the radar uh, in the media anyway, at least, uh, start of the season. Yeah, definitely. Look, he's a player I've been watching closely. He's, we know he's out of position in wide rice and, and then he's slotted into the middle of the park when he's asked to do so as well. He isn't really getting the credit that he deserves, you know. We said it a couple of weeks ago that set pieces to, to a side that's organised could could reap 12 to 15 goals and, and you look at it at the moment you count in the Cove goal that, that Anton O'Donnell got that's off a set piece obviously Noel mentioned um, Anto's first goal against Cork and, and then obviously Matt Keane long throwing again for Mark Ludden Anton O'Donnell keeps it alive uh, Matt McKevitt a great header back across the goal and it's not an easy finish, Adrian. It really isn't. And, and he takes it really, really well. You know, so I was delighted for him and delighted for the group. And as I said, they, they thoroughly deserve the three points. Yeah, certainly is the case. And now I suppose moving on to Friday night, the games don't get any bigger than Shelburne in Talca Park, Noel. That's for sure. It's an iconic ground, Talca Park, obviously with so much history. Uh, these are the type of games that we wanted senior soccer back for in the city. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I mean, it's a great time for Treaty to go to Talca as well. I mean, you certainly you don't want to be going there on the back of, say, three or four defeats. You know, I mean, their tails are going to be up. They certainly have nothing to lose. You know, Tommy's lying every week about them being underdogs. It's certainly true this week. Um, they must be in great form. They must be looking forward to it. They've absolutely nothing to lose. Uh, they have great momentum behind them, you know, and that feel-good factor is... 
you know, it certainly it probably was the difference even last week. They just had a little bit more confidence than Cork last week in the game, I thought. And, uh, you know, because they had done it before, you know, that they'd won a game, then it, it kind of follows on that you can do it again. Now, they'll have nothing to lose. Again, they're going to keep it very, very tight. Um, Shelburne are certainly a team, to me, that have kind of, of all the teams in the division, um, have really hit a bit of form. And they'll certainly be a formidable opposition. And uh, we've been kind of waiting, obviously, hoping it doesn't happen. But we're just waiting to see how Treaty react maybe to go a goal down. And listen, it mightn't happen tomorrow night either. But if it does, you know, you certainly don't want to, uh, to concede an early goal in Tonka Park with the, with the home team in a good vein of form and they're coming at you in waves. Yeah, that's definitely the case. And that will, that will be the worry, I suppose. You just can't concede early which the team obviously haven't done really so far. Uh, without rushing past this part, actually, uh, I noticed if you put Jason O'Connor's name into Google, there's a bearded picture, a bearded Jason O'Connor challenging Pat Scully, I believe, for a ball in Shelburne in Talca Park back in 1999. Hopefully, Kieran Hanlon can cause some serious physical damage like you probably did, Jason, uh, on, on that day and in that game. But uh, it's, um, it's going to be a, a step up in quality, as Noel mentioned, Jason. And even though we might have thought that Tommy was playing mind games when he said they were underdogs in every game so far this season. As he said, that certainly is the case this time around with the farm Shelburne are in. It is, Adrian, most definitely. And I don't know about Pat Scully, but Kieran Annan left his hands full with, with Ali Gilchrist. Um, very, very good centre-half for Shelburne, dominant and, and a threat in both boxes. And it's going to be a big ask, in my opinion, this week, Adrian, Um Obviously, I got the result right last week. I tipped Treaty to beat Cork. It's great you mentioned so that there in passing, yeah? Yeah, I had to get that in. because got it wrong. <laughs> but this week will be a bigger ask, in my opinion. They have quality all over the pitch. And, and I've watched them a couple of times on the stream and I'm very, very impressed with them. The, the difference, in my opinion, between Shelburne and the likes of Cork City will, will be that they'll move the ball a lot quicker, Adrian. Um, and what's standing to treaty at the moment is out of possession. They're getting everyone behind the ball very, very quickly. So when the opposition delay, as I always say, delay with the ball and keep rotating it around their defensive turn, that just plays into treaty's hands. They get set around the middle of the park. They get everybody behind the ball and they make it difficult for the opposition. But I don't think that will be as easy this week with Shelburne and the quality that they have. They're on a great run. They've won their last three games, obviously unbeaten like Treaty, and it's going to be a very, very big ask. Yeah, it certainly is going to be a big ask. Noel, uh, Jason mentioned it there about the fact that Shelburne do seem to move out the ball that bit quicker. I did notice with JJ Lunny and Georgie Pointing in particular that, you know, there's a lot of positive play involved in their midfield role. You know, they're, they're pushing the team on. Uh, they're, as you said, playing quickly, but playing forward. And that's something that Treaty might not have come up against in all, in in any other game in terms of Shelburne have been the best at it um, also have Michael O'Connor Yo-Yo Maddie they've got so many options there that they, have, they haven't they have even you know they've been able to rotate the squad which I know can be a bad thing but in their case it seems to be working quite well in, in that they have such squad depth so yeah it's it's, it's some ask on, on Friday night tomorrow night so yeah it is and like I think you're right also the weather I mean I think the last couple of weeks the games have quickened up teams are getting fitter but the ground is getting better as well um, I think, you know, we, we might have said that Galway probably played too much long ball. I thought Cork were the opposite. Even when they were a goal down with 10 minutes to go, 
they didn't do what Galway did and, you know, just get a few fellas into the box and, and throw the ball in. Uh, they had a couple of frees from decent areas and instead of maybe playing them forward, they were going sideways and backwards. And I certainly would, you know, if I was in Tommy's shoes, I'd have been looking at that and said, Jesus, this is great. Um, the thing about Shelburne is I think that they can do both. Um, they can certainly play it through. And if things aren't working for them, they won't have any issues about uh, putting the ball into the box or playing it very early or trying to put it in behind the full back and, and, and squeeze Treaty back. And that's the one thing you will get uh, at Talca Park always. And if you, if you do come out of there with anything, you'll certainly earn it because they will try everything. You know, if, if they're a goal down with five minutes to go, like they'll have six up, six up top, you know, just to try and get something out of the game. And even if they're to lose by two goals, they sooner do that than kind of just let the game uh, ebb away to a narrow defeat or, or, or possibly even a draw. Yeah, and I was speaking, Jason, to Tommy at the start of the week. And Tommy, when I asked him about, you know, it's going to be difficult for him to, to read Shelburne because they changed the personnel a bit and they've changed their formation in certain games. Now they have went back to a back four, really, in the, in the last couple for the majority. Um, he, he obviously mentioned to me something that you probably, be, being uh, a stringent man for tactics, would say that isn't the case. But he said that... Uh, uh, you know, maybe it, too much emphasis is placed on tactics at times as was the line Tommy Tommy used. But what do you think that, from your knowledge of Tommy and then also Mike McCarthy, who's involved with him in the backroom team, do you think that Mike McCarthy has had a, a big influence on Tommy's shape and approach to the to the game this season, uh, Jason? Well, I'm not sure if it's Mike McCarthy or Mike Shield or, or Dave Rooney, but somebody certainly has, Adrian, because in the past, Tommy would have been a very possession-based manager. And if we look at his, his past record with Limerick FC, obviously that was kind of the, the trends, you know, and, and even Martin Russell before him, you know, that was kind of the mantra was keep possession of the ball and move it across the pitch. And there certainly has been a shift in Tommy's approach. And I take what he says to the media with a pinch of salt, I'll be honest, a lot of the time. Um, but the tactics are there to be seen somebody that, that looks closely enough at it out of possession, as I said, they get everybody behind the ball very, very quickly. They plug the gaps, is what we what we call in the game. So gaps between full-backs and centre-backs are non-existent, so you don't allow people to play through you. Same in the middle of the field, you're very, very compact. And as the ball is shifted from right to left or left to right, the midfield and defensive units shift with it to, to keep them gaps plugged. So you can see from, from Treaty's goals conceded column, Adrian, you know, it's it's very much um, a counter-attack approach, which, as I said, is new to Tommy. So the tactics are very much in play and, and they can't be ignored. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you. No, there's, there's a player that's on the Shelburne team that will obviously cause a uh, hassle to the defence, you'd imagine, in Michael O'Connor tomorrow evening. He's a player that's frustrated me from looking at him uh, in the past maybe two to three years because he's had a host of clubs. One of these players that always seems to move around the League of Ireland, we've mentioned managers in the merry-go-round, but the player merry-go-round has obviously been massive in, in years gone by. Uh, he's never settled at a club, always seems to get a move to a decent club. I know Shelburne, but now he's had to drop a division. He's really going to need to prove himself this season on a consistent level. Yeah, he probably does, and he's probably not the only one there. And um, You know, Shelburne have big plans you know, they were they announced last season, you know, that they were going full time. Um, it's probably a great opportunity for him, but he's not the only guy, it's probably the right place for him as well, because they have so much of a pick 
you know, it's a place where he's going to have to play because he certainly won't be indulged, if you like, or, you know, get maybe four or five games there if, if, if he's not in form because they certainly have plenty of available replacements. Um, just to pick up on a small bit of tactics, I thought, you know, the, the one place where our treaty got away with it a little bit last week was uh, down Jack Lynch's side with Dylan McGlade. Um, he certainly caused a heap of trouble for them. Um, even though there wasn't a lot of, of, of an end product. And uh, Jack seemed to be pulled in a small bit, too tight to the centre-halves, and there was a lot of space there. And also, he didn't seem to get a lot of protection from Ed McCarthy. And that's something that you'd hope that they would have looked at this week because, you know, while you may get away with it uh, last week about, uh, you know, from a Cork City side that's struggling a bit, if the same situation occurs in... Uh, in in Talca tomorrow night, it, it, it'll certainly cause a heap more trouble than, than last weekend. Yeah, definitely, because Kevin O'Connor and Dale Rooney have been on, on great form on that side of the pitch uh, in particular as well. And Shane Farrell has been in great form. Uh, Jason noticed that he was involved in setting up the penalty for, for the goal last week and obviously scored a great goal against Kevin Teeley. He's had a very uh, influential season for Shelburne because he was also involved in the sending off and, and another goal in Turner's cross too. So he's had a definitely an interesting couple of weeks. That battle between him and Mark Ludden is something that will be, it'll be a massive matchup because both of those players are banging form. Oh, it will, most definitely, Adrian. And we've seen the best of Mark Ludden going forward, I suppose. And he's been a great asset to treaty. His assists are there to be seen. Um, and, and that could be a ploy, I suppose, from Shelburne to keep Mark Ludden pressed back. Um, so the That'll be interesting to watch. Will they keep Shane Farrell pushed on? Um, and he might even cheese at times and let Mark Ludden go in the hope that that possession is turned over and then they can exploit things. Mm. Noel mentioned um, Jack Lynch there and, and I'd have to agree with him. That was the alarm bells were ringing for me and, and even the goal that was conceded last week against, um, against Cork City, I felt that, that Jack could have got out a bit quicker um, and stopped Dylan McGlade getting the ball back into the box. And I suppose he was the main threat throughout the game. And look, Ed McCarthy doubled up towards the end of the game. But but I would agree with Noel. That was the one the one area that, that I suppose if Shelburne are looking at that they could possibly exploit. Yeah, that probably brings me on to the next point. I know it's it's very doubtful, Noel, that Joel Kustrain will make the game tomorrow evening from speaking to him and Tommy during the week. Uh, it was, he was effectively ruled out that early in the week, to be honest. Uh, Charlie Fleming has another game to go in his uh, suspension. He got the extra couple of games on top of the automatic uh, red card. Uh, that's one position, Noel, you, you mentioned Jack Lynch. You know, with the form of the team, would Charlie Fleming now, with that mistake for that red card, you know, and how hot-headed he was, will he struggle to get back in that side? Or do you think maybe because of those alarm bells that he might throw, throw him back in fairly quick once he is available? Uh, I'm not so sure about that. I um, I think, you know, he's probably not looking that that far ahead anyway. I think, look, if they kept a clean sheet tomorrow uh, night, he's unlikely to change the team the following week. Um, if there's a couple of injuries in midfield, he might his hand might be forced that... He might have to put Jack Lynch back in, even though he uh, he might want to, and, and bring Charlie Fleming back in again. So that'd be very open ended. I wouldn't really be worried about guys that are suspended at the moment, and an awful lot can happen in a game or two, and during you know during the week, even in training. So it's probably something that Tommy look at, you know, after digesting tomorrow night's game and see who's fitting well next week for 
for the, for the following weekend. Yeah, after beating Cork, Jason, and the fact that really nobody has come back in in terms of injuries uh, to to push for a place, the chances are it's going to be the same eleven you'd imagine tomorrow evening that takes play pitch in Talca Park. Yeah, look, we don't know about Joel just yet. I know Tommy said he's he's ruled him out, but we might see him play a bit of a part. But you'd expect the same eleven again, Adrian. You would, and and look, Noel would agree. I'm sure that when you're getting results which treaty are, then I know there's, a, there's been enforced changes over a couple of weeks through suspensions and injuries, but I think Tommy has his mind made up uh, on his strongest 11 or, or even his strongest kind of 13 even, you know, and, and it kind of stays within that. But when you get results, energy levels are, are high, momentum is high, confidence is high, you know, and, and they'll be looking forward to it. It's going to be a massive test. It's going to be the biggest, biggest test so far. He probably will go with the same 11, um, but it's going to be difficult, Adrian. There's no doubt about that. Noel, I know your response is probably going to be the same as Tommy's was when I kind of put this to him, which is going to cut me right off, I'd imagine. But there's a few of these players that were involved, Noel, in the the last meeting of Limerick FC when they went to Talca Park. We got an absolute trounce in 7-0. Uh, it was a really bad experience, actually, for the likes of Aaron Fitzgerald. Uh, Edmund O'Dwyer, Clyde O'Connell, you know, really young lads in the team. You know, there was there was betting slips being thrown onto the pitch at the time over the match fixing allegations. Uh, those those players, you'd imagine, will want to put that to bed fairly quickly with a positive result. But I I suppose it probably has very little bearing uh, on their their mindset. You'd imagine two years on. Yeah, I'd say it was as you said. They were very young. They played a lot of football in between. They probably feel a bit more established now, um, and they will probably. It might cross their minds tomorrow, but not, but not too much. And uh, it's hard to believe that anything like that is 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 going to be repeated. As after all, all 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 the betting offices are shut at the moment anyway. So I don't even have to worry about the betting slips being thrown out onto the pitch. Yeah, hopefully not. I mean, the lads are very hard working, so hopefully they're as diligent off the field as well. Uh, Jason, it's um. It's an iconic ground, as I mentioned already, Talca Park, and the fact that the history that's been behind it, even in the recent history, in the last 20 years, with the great European nights, and obviously the team winning leagues uh, and the likes, we could go on and on for further back, obviously, as well. It's been around for 80, 90 years. Uh, There's obviously talks about demolishing Talca Park or putting it into the hands of developers. I know there is a a strong will from a, a group that's growing all the time to save Talca Park and provide a community base for people and obviously maybe keep Shelburne teams in the future playing in that ground, although I know there's, there's meetings about t- playing in Dalymount Park. Uh, it's it's an important uh, movement, really. And would you like to see Talca Park remain? I would, Adrian. Look, it's an iconic ground, you know, synonymous with League of Ireland football. And and I know there's there's huge rivalry between Shelburne and, and Treaty now and any Limerick representatives in the past, but we always look forward to going there. Um, as you said a while ago, I was lucky enough to play there myself a couple of times back in 98 and 99. And, and I feel it'd be a sad day for football, Adrian, if we lost the ground, because as I said, the history steeped in it, you know, and fantastic nights over the years. And, and as I said, it'd be a sad day for football if we lose Talca Park. Yeah, certainly. And to be honest, all the memories that are flooding through my head seem to be about Talca Park, Noel. But this one will be... You weren't long gone out the door of Limerick FC yourself, actually. And I remember Paul Fanoukin telling me a story that Danny Drew got the team a, a small aircraft 
up to a game in Talca Park to play Shamrock Rovers and they were final down after 20 minutes. Uh, so that wasn't exactly a very good uh, memory either. Um, yeah, pushing on now on to, to the man manager side in the Premier Division, uh, there's been a massive amount of, of change in, in the managers uh, already in that you've had Declan Devine has left Derry and went already and Rory Higgins was in a day later. It was obviously a planned situation. Within 22 hours, I think Rory Higgins was appointed as manager on a three-year deal as well, which, you know, probably was the only way they could probably get him out of the of the FAI, I'd imagine, you know, for, for Derry. Were you probably disappointed to see them uh, probably, you know, sack Declan Devine so quick? Or do you think he was always under pressure considering the, the season that they had last year, really? Yeah, look, he was obviously under a bit of pressure, I think. The disappointing thing about the whole lot for me was um, Liam, Liam Coyle coming out and ramping up the pressure on him, um, whether it was just before the start of the season or after a game or two, which I thought was a bit disappointing, particularly from a guy who hasn't actually gone and, you know, tried to manage Derry himself, even though obviously he was a legend with the club um, as a player. Um, I actually watched him against Drogheda, you know, when he was under a lot of pressure and uh, I felt that they'd done enough... Um, for him to keep his job, thought they worked really hard. It was a very open game, and it's it's funny, and it happens in every league, but particularly in this league, like Drogheda were near the top, you know, they were flying it, and maybe in two or three months' time, you might meet Drogheda, and you might beat them three or four nil, and you know, at times you're unlucky maybe to meet a team that's banging, you know, a really hot streak, but then you know, he he lost his job a few days later. I was a little bit disappointed about it. Um, I see they won the game, you know, their next game then, which, you know, it kind of indicates it, you know, for the people. But uh, Rory Higgins has a body of work there, you know, to do. I don't know, are they going to give him a bigger budget? Um, what, how are they going to treat him um, any differently? But I, I did think that it was a bit soon to, you know, to get rid of Declan Devine, who to me seems to be, you know, a, a very solid guy and who, who has had success with him before. And obviously a guy who holds Derry in high esteem and would do everything he can to make him successful again. Yeah, and it does, Noel, to be honest, it does seem like the decision might have even been made before the draw of the game, if you're judging by how quick the, the whole thing went down. Uh, it was disappointing to lose Declan Devine because he's given a lot, you know, to the League of Ireland in terms of he was always doing media work as well. He does love the league, uh, so obviously it's always disappointing to lose them. Uh, on another note, uh, Jason, we move on to Dundalk now as well. I mean, that situation was was crazy from the start, really, of the season. Obviously, we had Giovanoli, uh, Filippo Giovanoli was announced effectively as the head coach, the manager, at the start of the season. Uh, we know he didn't have the badges last year, you know, with all the kerfuffle about him not being able to be on the line for, for the UEFA uh, Cup games, uh, the high-profile UEFA Cup games. Then you had Shane Keegan coming back in, who, to be fair, had never proved anything at League of Ireland level. I know he got Wexford promoted, and O'Connor will probably tell you that that was his team, that Wexford team that Shane Keegan took up to the Premier Division. But, uh, you know, Shane Keegan hadn't proven a lot. Then he was brought in as manager, probably to fill the void that Vigivinoli couldn't in terms of the badges. Uh, it was just a mess, and it seemed like it was destined to fail, fail from the very start. Yeah, it, it looked a mess is the best description, you know, and it's sad to see it, really. It's become a bit of a circus there, you know. Um, you mentioned the lack of a pro licence, but, look, that can be... By actually applying for the pro license and being honest, being on the course without completeness, that that's kind of enough. And when that didn't happen, the the signs were on the wall for me. And when you see Jim McGilton as the sporting director, you'd wonder what 
agenda he has there. He hasn't got much experience really in the league apart from an assistant role to Michael O'Neill back in, in 2011. And, and I know that's something me and all discussed in the past about having a link between the board and, and the manager, but it has to be the right person. And, you know, there's no doubt, listen, the dog have the players. There's no doubt about that. The Macmillan, obviously, two goals last week. Patrick McElhenney, Chris Shields, Andy Boyle, they have the players, you know, and, and it was interesting to read um, an interview with Jim Magilton today when, when he said the players don't need a coach. They need a big, a, a big character as manager to, to manage the, the personalities in the dressing room. Who that's going to be is the question. He kind of ruled himself out of it. He said he doesn't want the role. Um, probably too much pressure, I suppose, really. There'll be no fear of Dundalk, don't get me wrong, but it'll be interesting to see who steps into the breach there. Yeah, it certainly will. And I know, I know John Gill came out during the week and he was kind of promoting Vinnie Park to return, but I'd very, be very, very surprised if that was going to happen, especially that quickly. Uh, to be honest with you, Noel, on a final note, there's, this isn't the managerial change, but this was a really weird one as well. The Mike Newell and Kevin Sheedy situation last Waterford. It was announced by several media outlets that they were gone um, with, with a lot of conviction uh, early in the morning. It took about four or five hours at least for the club to come out and say that that was not the case though and it, there was rumours that those lads hadn't turned up to training. It doesn't seem that all is well anyway and now you have Mike Newell probably looking at a six or seven game ban because he's been sent off twice and was very aggressive in his sending off uh, when he had an altercation with Graham Kelly. So it's to come out then and win 1-0 seems to defy all that, but it does another messy situation in Waterford. Yeah, and following on from the, you know, the curious John Sheridan uh, last year, it, you know, I mean, look, it's, you don't really like to see it and everything seems to be aired in public. They've obviously had an issue with uh, Brian Murphy, the goalkeeper, and it hasn't seemed to be resolved and it's rumbling on. And um, there's obviously a lot of, leaking I suppose from from the dressing room there as well to the local media that's getting out and it's a kind of an unfortunate situation but the bottom line is you know they're down around the bottom and they need to start getting a few wins because as as we know ourselves when you slip into that first division it can be a real, real scramble to get back out of it but uh, it is kind of um, unsavory enough and I suppose Mike Lou will have to learn that even though Graham Kelly could drive you mad that you need to keep your mouth shut and uh, maybe think of another way to annoy him besides using foul and abusive language. Yeah, certainly. Um, all's, all's well in the first division on that front anyway, although for how long, who knows, that, that could be another, there could be another couple of managers who I won't name just yet uh, that could come under pressure in the, in the next couple of games. Uh, I've, I've asked you your prediction every week for the treaty games, lads, so... This week will be no different. Uh, Jason, uh, you've, you're on a winning streak at the moment in terms of predictions that could be due to end. But uh, what's your prediction for the game tomorrow night? I don't know if it's due to end, Adrian. I'm confident enough. I have three on the bounce. Now I'm putting Mr O'Connor to shame there. But <laughs> I think this week, Shelburne will have a little bit too much for Treaty. It's the first time I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to predict the defeat. Um and it's with a heavy heart because I'm behind them 100%. I really want them to do well, but I have to give an honest opinion. I just I just think away from home, the quality that Shells have, um, they'll be a little bit too much for Treaty. They'll give them a game. It'll be close, but I'd expect a home win. Will you be following suit, Noel? Well, is he going to give a score? Because, it, I mean, my memory is pretty good and yeah. he followed on my, my one-all prediction in Galway. 
when I even actually predicted that Treaty would take the lead and that Galway would come up with a late equaliser. But there you go. So is he not going to give us a score? Yeah, sorry, sorry, Jason. A score is mandatory, actually. Score is mandatory. I'll go 3-1 shells. 3-1 shells. Noel? Okay, well, I'll do a Jason O'Connor of what he did to me in Galway and I'll follow suit and say a 3-1 victory for shells. Hopefully it won't come true and hopefully the unbeaten status of Shelburne goes and hopefully treaties remains, but obviously it won't put too much of a damper on the start that's been had, which has been a great start for the team. There's also another good few interesting games going on throughout the First Division this weekend as well. There's one, Jason, that will be of big interest in terms of the, the pre-season promotion uh, predictions. Hasn't worked out that way for Cork. This is this is massive now for, for Colin Healy, but they go to Bray, who are also struggling in that they're drawing a lot of games. They're like the Brighton of the, the Premier League. Uh, they're, they're, you know, they need to pick up wins, so both sides are going to be desperate for winning that one. They are, you know, and it's hard to see a way back for Cork unless they change their approach, Adrian. You know, Noel mentioned there earlier on about about going long and, and their their lack of ability in it, I suppose. They got the goal off, off a long pass from Georgie Haven that we didn't clear. And and I genuinely feel, you know, that if they don't change their approach, you mentioned their managerial casualties maybe in the first division. And if I was a betting man that it could possibly be Colin Healy, especially if they don't get a result this weekend. And I do fancy Bray to beat them at home. Yeah, and... Speaking of managerial casualties, not that, I, not that I want to see it, but you know, you also have John Caulfield might be a man who might be surprisingly under pressure in a couple of weeks' time as well, but he makes the trip to Coleman's Park with Galway United Noel on Saturday night. Uh, you've got uh, Cove Ramblers, maybe a tiny bit of a resurgence in that they stopped their, their early rod of defeat and you know, and, and, and dodgy performances, shall we say. That will be another tough one for Galway and who will definitely want to come out of there with all three points. Yeah, I think it'll be kind of an old-style game. Uh, I saw the last 20 minutes, actually, of Brian Cove last hour and it looked like it, it looked like the Cove of old. It was like the pitch was bobbling, it was windy. Um, the ball was out of play a lot, was up in the air a lot and Bray just couldn't really get a, you know, get a grip of things. I saw Gary Shaw came on there for the last uh, five or ten minutes, and I was wondering was it was it actually desperation or or, or is he on the way back? Now I'm I'm sure that they're hoping he's on the way back, and it probably is bad news for for Cork um, if he is. But it'll certainly be a battle, a big battle down there. But you know, you still feel that while Galway are struggling a little bit, that they're still a good side and a lot of good players, and you know they'll be very motivated going down there and. Uh, you wouldn't be surprised if they if 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 they would nick a win there, but I could see it being um, a very tight game. Yeah, and that loans surge at the top of the table has continued, Jason. Uh, no signs of them stopping anytime soon. Uh, they're also like if you look at it there, like they're probably eyeing up this game, which is probably a dangerous mentality. But they're looking at Kevin Teeley now at home. Kevin Teeley have struggled in the last couple of weeks ever since that COVID uh, postponement, really. Um, they've, they've struggled in terms of conceded a lot of goals uh, probably the way we expected them to perform maybe earlier in the season but uh, do you see a home win there for Atlone again? I do I've been in regular contact with Adrian Carberry and Graham Payne and, and we spoke about the games coming up for Atlone this was previous to, to their excellent win last week 3-0 against Wexford Youths but they felt that it was really they were coming into a run of games that that they were expecting to win 
and and that the the attitude of the players would be key to that. And they were very very strong on the fact that they were going to nail down the players and make sure their attitude was right going into these running games to build on the excellent start that they've had. You know, and and three nil last week and comfortable, Adrian, as you'd expect, Jamie Hollywood. Some of we we mentioned in pre-season on the mark for him and, and James Doona and Shane Barnes as well. And and look, you can't look past the that lone victory there. And 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 they've treaty coming up shortly in the next couple of weeks as well. So exciting times for that lone. They're building on a fantastic start and, and the lads seem very focused up there. Yeah, that's certainly the case. And Noel, on, on the last game we're going to discuss in the division, it'll be Wexford and UCD tomorrow evening. Uh, I have to say I'm amazed after what I saw from at least for an hour in the markets field that Wexford still haven't picked up a, a win since. I, I thought they were really good on the night, to be fair. Um, you know, it, it's going to be extremely tough now for them, although they do have home advantage against UCD because they're also uh, a farm team in the division currently. Yeah, you'd certainly worry about them tomorrow night. Um, the confidence is obviously very low. I mean, a 3-0 defeat, like that was the first time that happened even in it's you know it's 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 a really heavy defeat for them. Um, UCD, I spoke about the ground getting better. You know, you're thinking that those lads will be picking up a bit of speed and a bit of fitness, and you know their their ball speed is really good. They've scored a lot of goals, and their confidence will be high. And they certainly won't be going down. They're overconfident either. So UCD are a team that you know look like that they could go on the march as well. I know they they can be inconsistent. But um, with an experienced man like Andy Myler running the shoulder now, you 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 kind of feel that they are going to be there or thereabouts, and they'll certainly continue tomorrow night with uh, with a win there. Yeah, it was great having you lads again this evening. It's been uh, great insight into the games and all the other things involved with 3D United uh, and obviously the League of Ireland in general. Uh, it's been it's been great chatting to you, and hopefully we'll be still be in good spirits next week after possibly. We'll accept the draw, but maybe a 3D United win uh, in Talca Park. Uh, so thanks once again. Preview.